Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Real Estate Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, November 6th, 2019. On this day in 1528, some 80 survivors of the Narvaez expedition washed up on an island off the Texas coast. Four of these ragged castaways became the first non-Native Americans to tread on Texas soil and live to tell their remarkable story. Their journey ended when they arrived at the Spanish outpost of Culiacan near the Pacific coast of Mexico in 1536. One of the survivors, Alvar Nunez Cabeza de Vacanarva, was revered by the natives as a medicine man. He recounted his amazing odyssey in his Relacion, which detailed valuable ethnographic, geographic, and biotic information on Texas. He died in Spain in the mid-1550s. Now on to today's podcast. Personal liability risk comes with being a broker, but there are ways to reduce it. In the October issue of Tierra Grande magazine, we featured an article called Covering Your Assets, Business Entities Limit Personal Liability by real estate attorney and former Texas Real Estate Commission General Counsel Carrie Lewis. She joins us on today's podcast to elaborate on that, plus talk about broker succession planning, the focus of her upcoming article. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. All right, so what are the benefits of becoming a business entity broker? There are different benefits depending on the type of business entity you form, but the two greatest benefits that apply across all entity types, except maybe general partnerships, are protection of personal assets and continuity of the existence of the entity after an owner's death. When you have a business entity, if there's a lawsuit or other debt, the person seeking recovery can only pursue the assets held by the business entity and not go after the personal assets of the entity. So that's your protection of assets. Continuity of the business is if you're an individual broker, once you die, the business that you built up during your lifetime ceases to exist as an ongoing concern, right? If you're a business entity broker, the ownership and designated broker can change over time and more than once, and the business entity can continue in theory forever. So with a business entity broker, the broker can be passed on to heirs or sold. So your article discusses several types of business entities. What factors should a broker consider in determining the best option? Okay, I'm going to give my disclaimer right up front. There are many reasons why someone considering forming a business entity would choose one or the other, and they should discuss their particular factors with a CPA or a lawyer. But having said that, I'll point out some of the top considerations or factors that people consider. Uh, one is protection of personal assets, like we just talked about. For instance, if that was important to you, you wouldn't pick a general partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, the type and number of business owners of the entity. Who will own the entity, whether it's individuals, corporations, trusts, foreign residents, all of that's important. And how many owners are anticipated? Is this just going to be one or two or a hundred? That makes a difference because some types of entities are not available to certain types of owners or the number of owners. And as the number of owners increase, the practicality of certain types of entities is not 
Good. Another factor is uh, formation and flexibility of management. And this is a big one. Uh, Think of flexibility of management as control of decision-making. So first of all, the formation and documentation of a C corporation are more expensive and more extensive than an LLC or a partnership. Management under an LLC or a partnership offers more flexibility and fewer formal requirements than a corporation, whether it's a C corporation or an S corporation. If it's important for the owners to have more personal control over business functions, like maybe admission of new owners, a change in the type of business conducted, transfer of ownership interests, something like that, then an LLC or a general partnership would be preferable to a C corporation or an S corporation. Mm -hmm. Another big consideration, and this is why I say contact a CPA because tax law is not my specialty, Um, if somebody wants to be taxed as a pass-through organization, which means the taxation goes through to the owner's personal tax return, uh, then an LLC or S corporation are the better options. C corporations are taxed at a corporate level first, and then subsequently the owners are taxed on dividends they receive from the corporation. So some people refer to that as double taxation. However, if it's important to be able to retain earnings in the business for uh, expansion or other future capital purchases, then a C corporation is a likely better choice because that income is not reported to the business owner. It's part of the corporation and it's not, it's, it's in a capital account. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's as technical as I can get on the tax (laughs) issues, but the tax considerations are very important. Right. Uh, Another one is distribution of profits. If the owners want to distribute the profits not in proportion to the equity ownership, who owns what percent of each company, um, then that can better be accomplished in a partnership or an LLC because in a corporation, particularly a C corporation, you have shares and and everything is distributed directly in proportion to the number of shares you own. So with an LLC or you can determine who gets what share of the equity irrespective of what, how much they each put in. Right. So you can do that by, by a, your operating agreement. Mm-hmm. Again, I think those are, those are pretty much the top considerations, but there may be others. So what's the most common business entity for brokers? I would say without a doubt the most common type of business entity that we see for brokers is an LLC. How can someone become a business entity broker? Like, what are the requirements and what's the process of that? Okay. So, I'll talk about the requirements first. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of good information in the article that mm-hmm. I wrote that's in Tierra Grande and also on the Trek website. So, this may be a lot to take in in a podcast, but just know there are good resources available. Um, the first requirement for a business entity is it must be qualified to do business in Texas. And Trek requires the submission of a franchise tax account status page, uh, which you get from the comptroller, uh, to be issued within 21 days prior to an application. That's kind of the proof that you're eligible to do business in Texas. The second requirement is a business entity must designate what we call a designated broker, and that's an individual who holds an 
active Texas real estate broker's license, and they have to be in good standing with TREC. And good standing has to do with making sure you haven't had recent disciplinary action or you don't owe money uh, due to your brokerage activity to TREC or for a business you may have already been a business, a designated broker for. Mm-hmm. So there, there's certain requirements with that. Obviously, your license has to be active. That's yeah. that's the big one. The designated broker must have management authority for the entity. So depending on the type of entity that you have, it would depend on what type of officer. For instance, if it's a corporation, then the designated broker must be an officer. If it's an LLC, the designated officer must be a member or the manager of the LLC. And obviously, partnership limited or general, you'd have to be the general partner. Mm -hmm. And that's by statute. Uh, And then sort of the last big requirement is the business entity must provide proof that the designated broker owns at least 10% of the entity. And if they don't, provide proof that it maintains errors or omissions insurance in an amount of at least $1 million per occurrence. And that's so that the consumer is protected. Then the general process for getting a business entity license is is just like any other license in terms of you have to apply to TREC, uh, file an application, which you can get online, and the application will set out all of the additional documentations you need to provide, and it has a series of questions that you answer, and uh, you know send in your fee, and then the TREC will process it. And usually takes, I would say, if everything is in order, maybe 10 to 20 days. Of course, if there are documents that are missing or some of the documents or information you provided raise more questions, then TREC will send you a letter that says, we need additional information or please provide this. And uh, it's, it's a back and forth at that point. But there, the, the process really is pretty clearly set out on their website along with the documentation that you have to provide. Yeah. You have a new article that discusses succession planning for brokers. Can you talk a little bit about the possible ramifications of not having a succession plan in place? Sure. And and this is where being a broker entity is different than just having a regular entity that's not associated with a license. So, So what happens is when you're a business entity broker, you have to maintain your entity status just like any other entity in the state of Texas, corporation, LLC, partnership. Um, But because you have to have, by statute, a designated broker who is an officer of the company, has management authority depending on the type, if that person dies or becomes incapacitated, your entity can no longer do brokerage business, which means immediately your, your broker entity becomes inactive. And if you sponsor agents, all agents that are sponsored by that broker entity become inactive. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a succession plan in place, there is a good possibility that you'll have some loss of business, uh, definitely loss of business continuity. And you may even lose some of those sponsored agents who want to continue working and don't want to wait a long time for your entity to figure out, okay, who's going to be the next designated broker and then applying for a change of designated broker um, form with TREC. And so the best thing to do is have a plan in place so that if one of these occurrences, unexpected occurrences happen, 
then everybody that's left knows what to do. Okay, this person has already agreed to step in, and we just have to get this form to track and get that filed, and we can continue operating very smoothly. So it's better for your agents, it's better for your clients, and it's better for the the business and for the heirs who are going to inherit the business um, so that the business is held together in a good manner going forward. Well, thank you for coming on. Sure. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again, Carrie. We've posted a link to Carrie's most recent article, Covering Your Assets, Business Entities Limit Personal Liability. We've also included a link to more information from Trek, and don't forget to keep an eye out for Carrie's upcoming article, Who's on Deck? Broker Succession Planning. It will be included in the January 2020 issue of Tierra Grande, but it will be available online in the next couple of weeks. To stay up to date on when articles like hers are published on our website, follow the Real Estate Center on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Carrie and real estate broker and former Trek chair Avis Wukash will be featured in a Tierra Grande question and answer column titled Legally Speaking. The first column will be in the January 2020 issue, so keep your eye out for that. To ensure the next issue of Tierra Grande gets delivered to you, check if your Trek mailing address is up to date. Head to the Commission's website to check or change your address. It's recommended that you use your home address. The Real Estate Center's research library includes a wide variety of economic reports and real estate articles. Our latest articles include our brand new quarterly apartment report, Texas housing type trends, blockchain and real estate, manufactured housing, robotics and employment, and so much more. We included a link to the research library on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you want more from the Real Estate Center, head to our website, www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Real Estate Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder, and happy early Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. I'll see you next time. Bye.